the goal of the programs that we've designed is to broaden the pipeline. Think about how do we get more women to come into computer science who weren't considering computer science. And so we've developed several programs at the undergraduate level with that goal in mind. Welcome to the Innovation Engine podcast. Since 2014, we've been bringing you conversations with some of the world's leading authorities on innovation. Topics we cover include technology, culture, leadership, and more. Coming to you from the Three Pillar Global Studio in Fairfax, Virginia, here's your guest host for this episode, Jennifer Ives. Friends, on this episode of the podcast, we'll be looking at the dearth of female leaders in technology and how we can mentor and encourage more female computer scientists. Among the topics we'll discuss are a new curriculum at Northeastern University. Joining us today to talk about all that and more is Carla Broadley. Carla is the Dean of the College of Computer and Information Science at Northeastern University and someone that I have been dying to speak with for many, many years. She's a fellow of the ACM and the Association for Advancement of Artificial Intelligence. That's the AAAI, for anyone who doesn't know. Dean Broadley's interdisciplinary machine learning research led to advances not only in computer and information science, but in many other areas, including remote sensing, neuroscience, digital libraries, astrophysics, chemistry, evidence-based medicine, and predictive medicine. Carla's numerous leadership positions in computer science, as well as her chosen research fields of machine learning and data mining include serving as program co-chair of the ICML, co-chair of the AAAI, and serving as associate editor of the Journal of AI Research and the Journal of Machine Learning Research. She's previously served on the Defense Science Study Group, the board of the International Machine Learning Society, the AAAI Council, and DARPA's Information Science and Technology Board. She's currently serving on the CRA Board of Directors, the Executive Committee of the Northeast Big Data Hub, and as a member at large of the Section on Information, Computing, and Communication of the AAAS. Welcome to the podcast, Carla. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. Ah, well, it's uh, this has been a conversation that I've wanted to to bring to this particular podcast for many, many months, and I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule at Northeastern University and uh, you know running the computer science department and and just leading a very busy life. So thank you. Let me first start off by asking about an initiative you started at Northeastern to attract more women to the computer science curriculum. What prompted the decision to create the curriculum? And tell us a little bit about how it's played out so far. So when I arrived at Northeastern, I noticed that we had a fairly severe imbalance in terms of of gender uh, in the College of Computer and Information Science. And it's something that I've been working on my whole life in various roles. While I was department chair at Tufts University, I worked on the problem there. And uh, I have also served as co-chair of a committee called the Computing Research Association's Committee on the Status of Women, which is motivated to try to get women to go all the way through the research pipeline to professor or leader of a research lab. So it's always been a passion. I've never stopped having this as a passion. And um, now as a dean, of course, I have a lot more ability to impact change. So. We've been working on this since I since I arrived, and the numbers have moved wonderfully. 
we went from having about 18% of our total enrollments in the College of Computer and Information Science from being 18% to being 26%. Now, that's not majors. That's counting of all of our classes how many of the students are female, counting courses for majors because we do have one service class for non-majors, and that would skew our statistics um, in a way that I, I think wouldn't be reflective of, of the mission. So we've done a lot of changes. One easy way to change your numbers is to change the way you admit students, but I don't want to do that. And the reason why is, first of all, it's unfair to all of the students who have applied. So we tend to admit in proportion to what students apply. So if 25% of our applicants are female, then 25% of our admitted students are female. But a more important reason is, let's say I decided to lean in, as they say in admissions language, into the female part of our applicant pool. All I'm doing then is stealing from other universities because these women have already identified that they want to go into computer science. And the goal of the programs that we've designed is to broaden the pipeline, to think about how do we get more women to come into computer science who weren't considering computer science. And so we've developed several programs at the undergraduate level with that goal in mind. And if you like, I can describe them. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you could describe a little bit because, um, you know, just in reading uh, research over the past couple of years about what attracts women into the STEM field, computer science in this case, and and how they either feel comfortable or uncomfortable in, in the setting and with uh, the description of classes. And tell me a little bit about that. So the best way to encourage women to take computer science, frankly, is to make it required. But that doesn't always work in all universities because every every college and every dean would like to have their classes be required because of the way tuition revenue flows into the college. So that doesn't always work. So instead, and why do I say that that's the best way to do it? Because what I found both at Northeastern and when I was department chair at Tufts is that women and men who try computer science who've never had it before like it in exactly the same percentages. So 75% of people at both Tufts and at Northeastern who've never taken computer science before love it enough to go on to take the second course. And then 75% typically of that course, graduates of that course, love it enough to major. And that there is absolutely no difference in those percentages for men and women. So the real key and the problem that we're seeing in terms of the gender imbalance is that women are not trying computer science. They're pre-selecting that they won't like it or that they wouldn't be good at it. So all of the programs that we've designed, designed to encourage women to, to try it. So uh, at the undergraduate level, we have now, um, we actually have four uh, majors in computer science. We have computer science, data science, information science, cybersecurity, and we have combined majors with a, a wide variety of different degrees, such as we have a combined major with the College of Arts, Media, and Design with journalism, with interactive media, and with design. We have combined majors with the College of Social Sciences and Humanities in economics and political science and criminal justice and English and history, and with science um, in the obvious ones of chemistry, biology, physics, and math. That turns out to be extremely attractive to our students, both men and women. In fact, more than half of our majors are doing combined majors. What we do is we get together with another department, 
say English, and we work with them on what are the classes that we need to have from the computer science perspective, what are the classes we need from the English perspective. So for example, someone there might be required to take natural language understanding or digital humanities or network science, whereas a combined major with math might take a lot more of our theory class and a lot more um, statistics classes. So we can kind of customize to what the interest is. The second thing we did was we created a program called Meaningful Minors in Computer Science. It's the same idea. I don't necessarily think that everyone needs to major in computer science, but I really today's age that everyone should know a little bit about the major tool that they use at work. So a meaningful minor has two classes in it where you learn to program. Those are our two intro courses that everybody takes. Then a student will take two more electives in computer science that are, again, customized to what their major is, using, again, the examples Maybe an example from media, they might take data science and data visualization as their two electives. If they were in um, biology, they might take analysis of algorithms, machine learning, computational biology. Mm -hmm. Last course for the minor, the minor is five classes total, is one that double counts. We went through the entire catalog of all of the courses at Northeastern to look for classes that both we offered and other people offered that could double count in both computer science and in whatever department or field that they're in, came up with 108 of those. And the motivation for that one is kind of a funny story. At, at Northeastern, one of the benefits is we have a uh, we have an athletics facility where you can sign up to have a personal trainer, and those personal trainers are usually physical therapy students. So, And I asked, why do people do a minor? And he goes, oh, well, when you can double count, it makes it a lot easier. And that's where the idea for meaningful minors came from. And we implemented that, and in our fall intro class, we have our 400 majors, and we have an additional 300 students who are not majoring in computer science trying it out. And that's, that number is, 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 has really risen from previous years. So we're pretty sure that we're making inroads. Oh my gosh, that's brilliant. And this is something I have to think, you put the stake in the ground a couple of years ago. And you said, this is what we're going to do. Here is the deadline. You know, this is what we're going to do. Uh, women, 50% uh, of, of females will be um, graduating through the computer science department at Northeast University by 2021. And, you know, you didn't, you didn't set it 10 years out. You didn't set it 15 years out. Um, I think it could be a challenging problem and it depends on your university. One thing that's given me a lot of flexibility is that I am a, the dean of a college rather than a department. Mm -hmm. And that allows for a lot more curricular flexibility. So, for example, we are um, also going to have a meaningful minor in data science as well with the same idea. And we're just putting that through university governance right now. And it's very easy to get it through the college governance. Um, and then it needs to go through university governance. And Northeastern in general moves pretty quickly as a university. We like to think of ourselves as, you know, a 100-year startup because we went from a commuter night school to a day school to a residential university, and now we're a uh, research university, and we moved into the top 50 in U.S. News and World Report at a sort of incredible speed, if you think about what our, our previous president and our current president have done. And so there is a, a culture here of 
new ideas and change that um, I haven't seen in other universities. Mm-hmm. But I do want to say a lot of other universities great stuff. And there's, for example, there's a National Science Foundation funded a lot of great work for people to do pilot studies and really see what works. And so I I don't want to claim that Northeastern is the only one that's working on this. We made one simple change that led us from having 18% majors to 33% majors within three years. And it was a really simple thing. And it was what worked at Tufts. What was that? We had distribution requirements for arts and sciences students, and they had a math distribution requirement. And they either had to take a math course or they had to take an intro to computer science course. And we had a course for majors and a course for non-majors. And I looked at the demographics and I saw that all of the diversity was in the non-majors course, so I eliminated it and said, okay, if you want to get rid of your math distribution requirement by taking a computer science course, you're going to take the one for the majors so that you don't feel intimidated. And then I put our very best professor on it, Benjamin Hescott, who has won every teaching award that Tufts had and also the IEEE International Teaching Award for Computer Science. And I went to sit in on his class when I was writing up his award. He can make where is the semicolon going to go in C++ edge of the seat material? And I don't know he does so I put him on that class, and within two years, it was considered to be a class that you must take before you graduate because it was so good. And then, of course, because people were trying computer science and they were going on in the same percentages for both men and women, we had 46% women in that class. 75% of them went on to take the second class, and 75% of that class went on to major, which basically led to 33% uh, women in that were um, majoring when I left Tufts at 2013. I do not know what the statistics are now. Well, speaking of women, what what are some of the main factors that deter women from getting into computer science in the first place? Well, what's interesting is is that the numbers have actually gone down. It used to be somewhere between 35 to 40% back when I was a kid in the in the early 80s, and now I believe the statistics are that 18% of students that graduated last year were, were women, so it's gone down. I, I think there was um, there's a bunch of factors. People pre-select out of careers really early, and often it comes from stereotype threat or from what's in the media, and certainly the perception of what a computer scientist is that's in film and TV is actually pretty far from the truth. You know, you're you're it's presented as a field where you kind of work by yourself, maybe you're unkempt and you have poor social skills. And in reality, you need really good social skills to do computer science in that you're gonna work on teams. And you're if you don't know how to communicate with your team, that's gonna really be a challenge. And in fact, one of the things that we did um, two years ago was for our learning how to do technical presentations class. We actually decided to stop doing it ourselves and have the theater faculty teach this class. So they start out just with improv and learning to be comfortable, and then they, you know, go to your professional, teach your professional voice. And really, the kids that come out of that, they know how to own a room and really give a good communicative presentation. And that has been, it was a little bit of a culture shock of East meets West when the theater faculty encountered our students and our students encountered improv, Mm -hmm. but it's turned an incredibly popular course. And the students have suggested that instead of having it in their senior year, they'd like to have it 
in their second or their third year so they can use the skills that they've learned of their professional voice when they do their technical interviews with companies. Oh, that's brilliant. That is brilliant. And I love that the students are asking, you know, to move that from the, from the fourth year down to, like you said, second or third year. Is there anything else that, that you're finding that either keeps women out of computer science or that even if they're thinking about it, uh, they may hesitate? I love the statistics you mentioned uh, about that men and women exposed to the same computer science class will move on in the same numbers. So how can we get more women to take that first computer science class? So there are other ways. We'll be piloting a new method that has been done at other universities, which is we are going to teach actually a course where in data science where they will learn to do a little bit of coding, but it's going to be data science applied to the field in which they're interested in. So we'll do one with social sciences and humanities, we'll do one with health sciences, and we'll do one with science. So the idea is that you'll be doing data science on the data of the field that you think is interesting and seeing that computer science is more than what you thought it was. So many people don't understand that data science is actually a part of computer science. So that's one thing that we've done. The second thing is you can kill off anyone's interest in computer science by giving them a horrible first experience. And there are two ways to do that. One is to not put a good teacher on that first class, and the other is to make an atmosphere in that class that is not conducive to beginners. And I'll give you an example. I don't know, like three years ago, I had, I had dinner with a freshman with 20 freshmen, I couldn't meet with all of them, but I wanted to sort of get to know what our students were like and sort of keep up with them and find out how these kids were doing. So I, I had a first dinner and I had everyone go around and introduce themselves. And these are all people who have decided to major in computer science. There were six women and 14 men in the room. All but one of the women had never had computer science before. And all but three of the men had had computer science before. And one of the, the first man to introduce himself Basically, I'll, I'll, I'll do somewhat of a caricature, sort of said, I've been programming in Python since I was in diapers. And you could immediately see all of the people in the room who hadn't had computer science before kind of freeze up and think, oh, well, why is he going to be in the beginning computer science class? So that type of, and, and he thought he was being, you know, that this was going to be a great thing and that maybe he'd even be attractive to the girls in the room, right. not understanding <laughs> One of the things that, that schools are doing toward that, um, addressing that, is you can sign up. So typically an intro class will have a lecture and then it'll also have some labs. And so you can sign up for labs to be with people who've had computer science before and people who haven't had computer science before. And another thing that, um, that we're doing here is we have a, I believe, seven or eight sections of our intro course this, this fall. One of them is called Accelerated. They don't actually end up learning more or getting ahead of the other students, but they just go a little deeper and a little harder, and it's something that kids can self-select into. So those students who feel like they've had a lot of computer science and they don't want to start with the beginning one can now self-select into an accelerated, which basically takes them out of the regular classes, but takes that kid out that wants to say, ask questions that are beyond the material in the first week. Right. As we close out the conversation today, and for young women out there who might be listening to the podcast and have an interest in working in the tech space, what advice would you have for them? And are there any online resources you would direct them to? 
Nope. My advice would be take the computer science, do the work and go to ratemyprofessor.com and find the professor in your college that when they teach the intro gets good ratings and just try it. You know, you're either going to love it or you're not. Try it, rule it out. If you don't like it, who cares? But don't be afraid, but do some research on taking it with somebody who's known to be a good teacher. And the other thing I would add to those women out there who have already graduated is that it's not too late. We have piloted and now demonstrated the success of a master's program for people who did not study computer science as an undergraduate. You come in, you need to have no programming experience whatsoever, and you do not have to have a really strong math background. We have students that come from English, political science, history, economics, literature, theater, chemistry. You come in, you do two semesters of bridge courses, sort of like a pre-med part of your um, education for a medical degree. Then you go directly into the master's program. And then because we're Northeastern, we will queue up for a six-month experiential internship, which we call our co-op program, with one of our 500 companies that we work with, you'll come back, you'll do one more semester, you'll graduate and you'll make six figures. And companies love these students because what do you get if you're a pharmaceutical company where you have someone who has a chemistry undergraduate degree and a computer science master's? Companies love our uh, students who were English, political science and philosophy uh, majors who then come and do a computer science master's because they have just a creativity of thought that's very different than someone who's just been doing computer science the whole time. So my my message to anyone listening to this is try it. Maybe you'll like it, maybe you won't, but why opt out of what is one of the most exciting and lucrative careers in today's world? Yeah, yeah, that's great advice. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us today, Carla. I'd like to just say one more quick thing, Jennifer, which is that I also follow my own advice. I was an English major when I started out as an undergraduate at McGill University, and one of my friends in my sophomore year told me she thought I'd like computer science. I'm not 100% sure it was a compliment, and and I loved it, and I switched my major to computer science. So if I can switch from English to computer science, so can my listeners. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you.